I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Before I introduce my brilliant guest on today's episode, I'd love to share a podcast recommendation of my own with you guys. Hosted by Ella and Matthew Mills, the founders of Deliciously Ella, Delicious Ways to Feel Better is a brilliant podcast with informative, honest conversations around mental and physical health from leading experts. From gut health to anxiety, imposter syndrome to body image, Delicious Ways to Feel Better is helping us all cope through the uncertainties of life. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Happy listening. From one ear to another, this is a Max Creative production. Today's episode of Castaway features the wonderfully optimistic, hilarious, and oh so stylish Tan France. One fifth of our favorite Fab Five, Tan has been teaching us all on how to live more stylishly, whether that's through his makeover looks and queer eye or his wardrobe advice in Next in Fashion. Put simply, Tan is one of TV's golden treasures. On today's episode, we chat about Tan's rise to stardom following his move to LA when he was just 17, as well as how no one at Queer Eye expected it to become such a part of our zeitgeist. When it comes to pods, Tan shares how he discovered Jessie Ware's music through her successful table manners. Tan also chats about some of the shows he's devoured, including his friend Conan O'Brien, hosting Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, and one of my personal favourites, Oprah's Super Soul Sessions. So, without further ado, here's the fantastic Tan France on Castaway. Tan France, welcome to Castaway. How are you? Thank you so much. Hi, I'm really well. How are you? I'm good, thank you for asking. We're we're in different parts of the world right now. I'm in London, you're over in LA. How is everything in LA at the moment? You know, full disclosure, it's crazy here, obviously. But other than obviously the pandemic, things are good for me. Like, it's nice. I get to be at home. Yeah, well, that's what, actually, before we started recording, we were chatting about that. And you seem like such a positive person anyway when I watch you yeah. on telly and I've spoken once before with you and you're, you just seem like that person that you find the good things in life. I guess you have to. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've always been really peppy. I think a lot of people find it infuriating. But <laughs> I just, I re- the way I see it is I just think I don't really have that much to moan about. Mm. Life is pretty sweet. But I'm one of the luckiest people I've ever known. So I really am quite peppy. There's a lot of people who are lucky but don't recognize it. So I think being in a position where you recognize and appreciate what you have is a lovely place to be. Yeah. And I I would like to believe because I'm of a certain age, I'm 37, I've kind of found peace with where I am. And so I feel Mm -hmm. really good about it. Yeah, I'm I'm not far behind you and I just feel there's something about being in your 30s. I don't know, do you just not care as much as your 20s? I cared too much in my 20s. Yeah, I I was going to say I couldn't give a fuck 
as if it was an Olympic sport. <laughs> like I, the, the amount of times I just think, I couldn't give a fuck what anyone thinks of this or why mm-hmm. I'm doing it. I'm just going to do it. And it's so nice. I think it's a, a luxury of a 30-something-year-old. Definitely don't feel that way in my 20s, but now I do. I'm someone, and I'm assuming you're like this as well, but I love stories. And I feel everything that you do in your job through fashion and from what I've seen on television, that everyone has a story. And you seem to be fascinated with people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, uh, getting uh, into show business was weird. I had n- no real desire to get into it. However, at the audition for Queer Eye that I reluctantly went to, I think that the reason why reluctantly. You know, I had no interest in entertainment. I just retired and I just wanted to stay home and do regular stuff again and not work mm-hmm. for a very long time. And then they, they reached out and they wanted to, uh, me to be on the show. And so I went out for the audition. And the main reason I think I got hired was because they were like, we just, we don't meet many people that just want to get to know people. I just want to hear what they're all about. And I, I don't know if you know too many Asians in England, but mm-hmm. we're very, we're talkative. Like we're really chatty. We usually come from big families and yeah. we, we love to listen to each mm-hmm. other's stories and that's our main entertainment. And so- You sound like Irish people. <laughs> yeah. Any, anyone who comes from like a, a close-knit community, I think just we're, we're natural entertainers and, and naturally just empathetic I think Mm -hmm. well everyone has a story you're here on my podcast and there's one thing I love about podcasts and I've interviewed so many people over the years Tan on different platforms on television on radio and there's something about podcasts where I don't know what it is I people just speak more and they give away more I don't know do you feel different when when I'm talking to you now I feel like it's more of a chat sometimes when I'm on radio or television I feel it's a little bit more you're a bit more on edge you're a bit more cautious yeah, it's so different. So I'm sure in the UK, you you do talk shows or late nights, but however we articulate it. I haven't lived in the UK for 13 years now. So I'm sorry if I'm a bit transatlantic. It's unavoidable. However, so our talk shows here, I go on to those and you have maximum seven or eight minutes of, of screen time. And you have to be funny and lighthearted mm. and uh, warm and smart and all those things and then tell a story within a certain time frame it's hard whereas on a podcast they can edit it a little so you can really let it breathe and so you get to really say what you want to say which is so much harder on tv is that a good thing or a bad thing because i'm quite cautious when i do interviews when it's the other way around and then i forget when i do a podcast and i blab and i'm just like i'm talking to my mate and i just reveal yeah. everything do you do you feel protective because i actually i listened to a podcast you did with a good friend of mine gabby roslin i was oh, on her podcast I recently her. i love her yeah. i love her but the problem with her is you give you tell her your whole life story and you don't yeah. realize However, I do that with everyone. I'm so my PR people, I think I'm their worst client <laughs> because I I don't ask for their opinion. I don't say, oh, what should I say here? What should I say there? I just say, just tell me afterwards if I said something really bad and then tell them to take it out. But other than that, I just I can't help but just speak however I want to speak. It's what I've always done. And when I said earlier, the no fucks, that's how I feel with any situation. I just think yeah. I'm gonna say whatever I want to say because that's how I feel in the moment. I love it. I, I feel 
in the last while, especially from working from home, I'm not seeing as many people. I'm list- I lo- I've always loved podcasts, but I'm listening to a lot more. And I, I had a few on earlier on. I was listening to to you and Gabby, and I just felt like I was hanging out with you. I went to the park with the dog. I came <laughs> home, and I, I might as well have been on a walk with you. And and I loved it. And I and I'm just wondering for you at podcasts. Are you new to podcasts? Do you listen to a lot of podcasts, or when did they kind of get into your life? When did you know what a podcast was? Quite a long time ago, mm. when they first started to kick in, maybe was it like 10 years ago, maybe? Mm. I knew of podcasts, however, I didn't really listen to them until, if I'm really honest, until I got into entertainment and everybody was doing a podcast and everybody wanted the Queer Eye Boys to guest. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I just kept thinking, oh, I have no interest in being on anyone's podcast. It sounds really boring. <laughs> However, then I went on a road trip. So uh, America obviously is obviously huge. Mm. And uh, road trips are really common. I will drive from my home in LA to my home in Utah. And that's a 10 hour drive. Mm-hmm. And I do that quite regularly, probably every month. And so obviously, it can, it's going to get really boring real quick, unless you've got something to listen to. And so that's when I started listening to podcasts. And now I see the beauty of podcasts. That's so interesting. My, myself and my other half, uh, I was going to say last year, but it wasn't last year because we went nowhere last year. Uh, the year before, we did a road trip from San Francisco to Boston. We went right across the States. Oh, yeah. And if it wasn't for a podcast, I probably would have killed him, Tan, if it's I'm same. honest. Same, same, same. I love my husband so much. But for that many hours in the car, I need you to shut up and let me listen to my podcast. I think you can tell a lot about people, similar to the music they listen to, but what they're interested in, what books they read, what podcasts they listen to. And I asked you for a list of recommendations because I feel like that's the first question people kind of ask. Um, first of all, my mother was like, how do you listen to a podcast? And it's yeah. like, it's easier than you'd think. And then it's, what do I listen to? Because there's so much out there. So I always love, you know, looking through people's back catalogue, looking at yeah. some of their favourites. And thank you for sending this list. To be fair though, I'm with your mum. I know. So I'm, uh, as I said, I'm in my thirties. And so I should know how to use this stuff. I'm not, I don't understand technology. However, up until three years ago, I had no idea how you even found a podcast. Mm. I had no idea. And if you're listening to this now, congratulations on finding the podcast. Well done you. (laughs) I'm looking at the top of the list and this has given me so much joy because it's actually the first podcast that I listened to every single episode that was available when I started, and that's Oprah's Super Soul Conversations. Yeah. (gasps) Tell me about this. See, here's the thing. I think that this is probably the intro to most people's Mm. podcast journey because Oprah is a great motivator. She really Mm. is. And she has great insights. And so if if you were going to start with anyone, I do think it's a good one to start with because you know it's going to be earnest. You're going to learn a heck of a lot. Hopefully it's going to make you think uh, in a more positive light and be a better person. And so for me, she was one of my first podcasts that I listened to. And I've loved Oprah for years since she was Mm -hmm. on TV. Mm -hmm. And this is an extension of what she did on on the show. She has really meaningful conversations with people who I find fascinating, but also sometimes she just wants to get something off her chest and that's what her episode's about. And and every time I listen to one of the episodes, I come away from it thinking I learned something and I feel smarter for it, even though often in my life I don't feel smart, but I feel smarter for it after I've left her podcast. However, I do want to make it clear to your listeners, it's not like a lecture. It's not like no. an after-school special at all. Mm-hmm. It really is just like you're listening to your, this This is going to sound really offensive and Oprah, if you ever hear this, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's just like you're listening to your mom who's giving you a bit of life advice, but she really cares for you. And that's why she's telling you what she's telling you. 
And she's lived, and, and and as you mentioned, there's so many people. I mean, there's been everyone from you got the big Beyonce. Yes, Beyonce. <laughs> straight in there. Yes. I mean, she's got Beyonce on the podcast. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, Michelle Obama, but but actually quite a wide range. And also, when when Beyonce was on it, it's not like an interview with Beyonce. If you looked at it, it's a yeah. different side of Beyonce. Yeah, it is. The, and I think that that's a beauty of the likes of Oprah. They are able to extract things that no other interviewer could and mm. these superstars open up to her like they would to no one else i mean mm. i know if i were to interview them they would tell me a couple of points that I, I could read anywhere else whereas when it's oprah they will divulge and disclose their deepest darkest secrets which i do love because she's in a safe space you know as scary as it is to know that the world is going to see some of my private thoughts i feel so much stronger and i feel brave and i feel like I've been able to talk about it. It's been like therapy. I've, I've healed so mm-hmm. much and I'm a stronger person emotionally because of it. Because of this movie? Yes. Okay, so we see the cameras in the car and the cameras in the bed, the cameras in the plane, the cameras. Were there cameras everywhere all the time? No, okay. there's a time and place for cameras. Okay. <laughs> and all of my videos that were in the bed and in the bathrooms and all these crazy places, that's just the camera in my computer. Okay. That camera and the computer has been my friend when I'm away and I'm alone and I need to talk and I need to hear myself. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you hold so many thoughts in your mind. So that's your diary. It's my diary. That's and your diary. It, it has become my diary. Actually, I haven't really done it off that, that much since I've become a mother. Mm-hmm. I don't have time. <laughs> you don't have but, time but, to talk to yourself. Yes, but before then, for the past maybe three years, that's been my diary. Wow. So you don't write, you just talk. I just talk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know what? You're right. It's safe space. And I think that's the podcast community. Because I know you were on Jonathan Vanessa's podcast. And and maybe it was Gabby's one. You you talked about your mom and you said, I don't normally talk about my mom. But in the context, you you start telling a story about the Osmonds and how she loves Donny Osmond. (laughs) Yeah, it was Jonathan Vanessa's podcast. And I got really emotional during that because I know him. I love him. But even if I didn't, I felt comfortable and safe because I had the space to actually let the story breathe as Mm. opposed to when you have to get a quick soundbite in. I can actually explain myself. Again, on Oprah's one, I went away for a while. I was writing. I went to France away to write. I don't know. I was getting notions. Then I got quite lonely. And that's when I started listening to Oprah's. And uh, I became addicted because I kind of felt like it was a chat with a friend every day. There was one with Bradley Cooper, who obviously is a Hollywood star. And he talked about how he got nominated, I think, for the Oscar for Best Director for uh-huh. A Star Is Born. And he said, after the Oscars, he didn't win, but he got nominated, huge. Yeah. He said he felt the worst he'd ever felt. He felt that's the biggest disappointment because everyone was, you're the guy who didn't win. And my yeah. mind was blown because I look at you and I look at all these people, successful people, and we have no idea what's going on behind it all. Yeah. You know, I've been talking about this with somebody, and I can't say who it is, who's famous in our industry. And this person's a close personal friend. And I called them a few days ago to talk about the things I was feeling. And I promise you, this isn't meant to sound arrogant. This is just a fact. Queer Eye has done incredibly well. It's what we refer to as a phenomenon show at Netflix, which means globally, it does incredibly well. And the pressure that comes along with that is immense, immense, immense. And I was saying, look, the show has been out now for almost three years and I'm taking my next steps. But do you ever feel like you're not doing enough, like your moment's over? And this person who is, 
a household name in mm-hmm. every household probably across the world said I feel exactly the same way yeah. pretty much every month that oh my gosh I think my moment's over and what the heck am I going to do for my next job is anyone ever going to remember me for the work I did? And I, I would like to believe that I'm, we're not alone in this, that mm-hmm. even though we won for three years in a row, we've only been doing this for three years, but mm-hmm. every year we've won the Emmy for Best Unscripted wow. Show, which yeah. is the, the highest accolade in our world mm-hmm. uh, for what we do. Yet, every one of us, I'm pretty positive on the show, but everybody else in our industry feels the same way. It doesn't matter necessarily that you won that award. You still doubt whether you've got a future in this game or not. And that's a terrifying feeling. Do you find there's more pressure because you're kind of on that path that people kind of expect you constantly to be 100% all the time? Uh, yeah. I, so the, the person that I'm referring to is an Oscar winner. And I said, when you won the Oscar, did you feel like it made things even more difficult for you, even though you're so grateful for it? That's because that's how I felt when we first won the first Emmy. I thought, okay, this was all wonderful. It was all fun and games before. And before we won it, I didn't think I cared that much if we won it. I was just so glad that we were nominated because I was shocked Mm -hmm. that within seven months of the show coming out, we were at the Emmys. That blew my mind. As a little kid in Doncaster, England, Mm -hmm. I used to see the Emmys. I knew who was winning those awards. Never in a million years would I have thought that I would move to America and then win one Mm -hmm. or even be nominated for one. And so when we won it, I just thought, oh no, this means that we now have to keep it up. If we had lost, I didn't want to lose. But if we had lost, it would have been okay because we could have just kind of disappeared. But when you do get to that point, you feel the pressure so greatly to maintain it because then it feels like a greater fall. The higher you get, the much greater the fall when you don't live up to that hype. And you can really go nuts. Mm -hmm. As much as I would like to believe I'm a positive person and I'm usually able to see clearly my path in life, it does make me freak out at least once a month thinking, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what am I doing with my life? Do I want this? And if I do want this, am I doing enough to maintain it? And am I doing a good job? It's you question yourself so greatly. And I know you all know this. Obviously, you've been in entertainment for a long time. I'm almost positive I'm not alone in our conversation. I'm sure you think quite regularly, oh, crap. Like, what if I fail? Everyone's going to watch me fall. But I think it doesn't matter what career you're in, whether it's, you know, showbiz, whether it's accountancy, whether it's teaching. And I think, like, listening to these stories, it it's so relatable and you're like how can an Oscar winner be relatable to you know someone else here in the UK who has a completely different lifestyle but yeah I don't know that's why I love podcasts because I'm like oh none of us know what we're doing we're all a complete mess yeah and that's it none of us really do know what we're doing we're just turning up every day thinking well I hope people like this it's it's not like a regular job you don't get somebody saying well you hit your target so you're doing a good job that's not the case (laughs) here that's not how it works um really exciting news as well on that Oprah podcast because Oprah has announced a brand new version of Super Soul TV for 2021 Um, and it's premiering on Disney plus and will be released in podcast form shortly afterwards so more Oprah in our life which makes me so happy. Okay, can I tell you a geeky story real quick? Real oh, quick. Go, does it involve so Oprah? Tell you. <laughs> it involves Oprah. Okay. So the show, Queer Eye had been out, I think, for a year. Yeah. And actually not even a year. I have another show called Next in Fashion, which yeah, is with an Alexa. English star, actually. Yeah. Alexa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's an American show. We shoot it here in, in LA. And I was on my way to set in the morning. And Oprah is in New York, so she's a few hours ahead. And my husband called and he was like, hey, have you seen your Instagram yet? I was like, no, why? I'm on my way to work. It's like 7am. 
And he said, look at your Instagram now, but pull over because I know you're about to freak out. And I was like, okay. And so I pulled over, I looked, and Oprah had tagged me in a post and she had referenced me. She'd used my name. It was her and Brie Larson who were talking about <laughs> me. And, I, and it blew my mind. And then it happened again, like four or five months later, she was shooting her cover of her magazine and she was like, oh, I'm just doing Tam France's French talk. I was oh, like, yeah. that's insane. You post about me, Oprah, you know my name, which below again i'm donny tan and open you my name <laughs> it's so stupid also can i just say fair play to you for waiting this long we've been talking about oprah for a while and you, you paced yourself <laughs> you paced yourself before you dropped that yeah i had a claim i have a claim to fame it's oprah <laughs> <laughs> that is incredible you do keep mentioning the donny thing like growing up in doncaster and um for those who don't really know Doncaster that well, it's very different to LA life, I'm assuming. No, no, God, it's so glam. You always, always see superstars. No, it is. Uh, so uh, apparently, so I know this through my Instagram tags, that yeah. there are two other people in our industry right now who come from Donny. I didn't realize that there were so many Youngblood. of us. Actually, do you know Youngblood? The yes. Yeah, I had him on my radio show recently. Great guy. Yeah, so Youngblood and Louis Tomlinson went to my same high school, he obviously did. 10 years later, but we went to the same high school. Yeah, so there, are, have, there have been a few of us. Other, but other than that, Donny is, uh, I'm not trying to denigrate Donny, uh, but I left when I was 17. It is a small town. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's just so surprising because often you don't expect that kids from small towns are going to end up in Hollywood. It's just strange. But then it's great. It's great to share those stories. And then you'll have, you know, kids in Donnie now yeah. listening to your story or Youngblood's story and going, yeah. actually, kind of anything is possible. Yeah. Oh, believe me, if I, if I can end up here, anyone can end up here. And also, if we're going to speak frankly, and I will always speak frankly, yes. I'm also Asian. Like the chances of an Asian boy from Donnie ending up here is mm-hmm. even more unlikely than a white kid from Donnie ending up here. There's so many layers to this blow my mind. I love that. Um, I want to talk about the next uh, podcast on this recommendation list. And we we're talking about, you know, television and late night TV. And Conan O'Brien, I think, is just the epitome. He's, he's so iconic, like up there with Jay Leno. Yeah. Con- Conan O'Brien needs a friend. What I love about this is, because obviously he's, he's interviewed everyone. Like he's interviewed yeah. everyone yeah. after 25 years at the late night desk. But the podcast... It's just brilliant because it's just a different side of Conan. Yeah, it's really different from his TV show. I loved his talk show. I thought it was really well done. But the podcast, again, as you mentioned, podcasts are so different from TV. It gives him an outlet that he doesn't have on a a 24-minute TV show format. Mm -hmm. And so the conversations that he has with people on that show are amazing. One of my favorite episodes is with him and Tina Fey. Tina Fey, Mm -hmm. I love Mm -hmm. So much. And I know Tina r- relatively well. And I often will find people that I, uh, I'm friends with and listen to their interviews on podcasts because I just want to hear the things that I know, but I want to uh, hear how they're told on a TV show or a podcast. Yeah. And I learned so much more about Tina than I, than I ever knew before. And I just, I, I thought it was an incredible episode. I think there's a lot of actors who... Th- who think they're improvising in movies, but they're just repeating their lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, With a slightly different inflection. What are you doing? Or what are you doing? What do you, you want to do that over here? Let's do that. What are you doing? I'm like, I'm not improvising. I'm not, stop, please stop. Um, uh, <laughs> okay, that was De Niro. Uh, <laughs> no, I wasn't thinking of De Niro. But, no. um, yeah, it's, and I, I, the tenets of improv, the yes and of it all, I think are really helpful in a writer's room. I think writer, improvisation is great, a great tool in a writer's room. Then you take the best of it and shape it. Yeah. Yeah, I think, and I, also, I think when I was an improviser, I, I, 
you know, I started, I tried to be a pure improviser again, all our mirror work and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I could kind of do it. And a lot of times the real pure second city stuff, like you don't get that much truly funny stuff out of it because it would be cheating to like throw a premise in there. But UCB, especially, yeah, Improv Olympic and especially UCB, like you do an ASCAT with Ian Roberts, he's entering with a premise. They're just, they're just super fast writers. Yeah. And they're piling up on each other, but they are writing as they go. Yeah. And I think I always improvised like a writer. I think Matt Besser told me that once when he was my teacher. He's like, okay, you're pretty good, but you know. Why? Why try Matt Besser? For who? Um, and it is, I feel like there's a handful of people that I know and more that I don't know. People who are like purely gifted, true improvisers is like Scott Adsit, yep. Dave Pasquazi, mm-hmm. um, Kevin Dorf. Stack, Brian Stack. Brian Stack. Let's have a um, shout out to Brian Stack. Oh, Brian Stack. Another 30 Rock guest actor. Brian Stack. It's just so funny because he, he kind of does a t- tongue in cheek. He says, basically, after all these years of interviewing someone, you know, more as a journalist than anything else, as a, you know, a TV presenter, he said he's yet to make a, a lasting friendship with any of his celebrity yeah. guests. So yeah. I, I love the twist. I love like his little niche of getting in because there's so many podcasts out there. He's kind of come in this angle and he's basically just looking for a friend. I know it's really sweet. The amount of times I've wanted to reach out to say, I want to be your friend. I like you so much. <laughs> and we both have really big hair, so we should definitely be together. <laughs> he went to Harvard. Like, he's an incredibly mm. smart, smart, smart man. And so, yes, he's funny, but his observations are so astute and nuanced. And I, I think that he's really impressive. Do you know what I love? I don't know if you know this, but he's been handing out these golden tickets to lucky fans, offering them a chance to meet with him and actually become his friend. So, like, oh. anyone, anyone can be Conan's friend. I did not know that. I did I not know that. that. Um, before I begin to say, uh, yeah. you ask for five of my favorite podcasts. Yeah. And I neglected to add one. And I'm stick so it in. Stick frustrated. it in. We'll stick okay. it in. Okay, great. Because this is going to be my number three instead of my other number three. That's all right. Amy Schumer, I love. She has a podcast called Three Girls, One Keith. Um, Do you know what? No one's actually spoken about. This is my fourth series now and no one's brought up Amy's one yet. Oh my so god! Thank you. So it's available on Spotify and that's where I listen to my music, quite honestly. So it's an yeah. easy one to add on is this podcast. And every time there's a new episode, she's one of the few where when an episode launches, I'd want to listen to it within a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. because she's so bloody funny and it's with her Rachel Feinstein oh my gosh I'm terrible I can't remember the third lady that's on it who she's wonderful though we'll add and it then in the notes these four people together they're all comedians and they talk about just world issues but they do it from a comedy slant mm-hmm. and it's so funny it really is so funny Amy is laugh out loud hilarious I can't listen to this podcast on a plane anymore um <laughs> because i i have laughing fits and then you come once, across as a crazy person uh, yeah once the stewardess came over to ask if i was okay because it looked like i was struggling to breathe but it was because <laughs> of something stupid amy had said and so I, I listened to it in the privacy of my own home but it's really really good so please do check it out i think it's hilarious i was thinking what if we talked about confidence yeah, yeah. like down i'm confident that i'm probably be the Really good on this one. Really? Okay, because <laughs> really you know, good. at the end of each episode, we will be voting a, an LVP. So even yes. if you just weren't the least valuable person of the episode, that would be a huge change. Um, guys, what are your goals for this episode? I'm going I'm to reach the top of my game this time. Wow. This, this episode, I'm going to go way to the top. And... I don't want you guys to be intimidated at what the top looks like okay. for me. We'll try not to get threatened by your success in this episode. <laughs> Rach, what's your goal? I just want to 
I just want to be alive. Ooh, Ooh cool. That's cool. a really tiny goal if you think about Feeling it. Feeling alive. <laughs> I'd like to continue to live. Yeah, I'm going to leave it all on the floor, or as J-Lo <laughs> calls it, the flow. Okay, all of it. I guess mine is, if not you, who? If not now, when? Wow. Let's uh, get in there and no pressure. We need this. Damn, that's there big. I want to change my goal now. Today we are <laughs> at the Spotify offices. That's exciting. I like um, this. Did you feel confident walking into the Spotify offices? Absolutely, I did. I did you? I walked in. I didn't even show ID. I'm like, just walked. No, I Keith, we, right we, we saw you walk in and show your ID. <laughs> just, what's this, Spotify? Oh. <laughs> that was... <laughs> when I walk in buildings like this, I... Uh, I feel like a little bit nervous. I, I feel like, too. right? Like we're not really in, this is like a nice building. And it's like the tech world. Everybody's walking around with computers. They look smart. They look like they know what all their passwords are. And I'm just like walking around, like sticking to the wall. <laughs> they know what their passwords are. I feel foolish. Yeah, definitely walking in this building. It feels like an active lie. I'm like, I'm not an adult. What am I doing? In the in the refrigerator, all the labels were pointing forward. They oh. have their shit together. Wait a minute. Whoa, whoa. whoa, do they think they're better than us? <laughs> this, this topic is it's supposed to be about confidence. Yeah, yeah well, it guess is. What? You and you're showing how you're not confident. I'm confident. I, I walk in this damn uh-huh. building and I see people doing whatever they do, but I think I'm better. How about that? <laughs> Whoa. You're, yeah. so you're That's not where just you're confident. wrong. You're, <laughs> you're arrogant. That's where you're wrong, Keith. I stay confident. I'm, I don't know why. I don't. Nothing. No, and despite our best efforts, you still have full blown self esteem. Because I'm a little delusional. Yeah, but whatever. For for sure. But that works for you. Yeah. Thank you for mentioning that. So we'll add that to our list of recommendations. Also, the next one we're going to talk about, and we actually had Jessie Ware on this show giving her recommendations last season, and it's Table Manners. And just as much as I love Jessie Ware, I also love her mother, Lenny, um, who I've never met, but I feel I know. Talk to me about Table Manners. So, okay, I discovered it because my castmate, Anthony Provsky, went on. Yeah. And so we were both in England at the same time. I flew out back to America before he flew out. And he texted to say, oh, I'm just doing this podcast. Do you know who this person is? I'm sorry, I don't, but enjoy the podcast. Send it to me once it's, when it's out. I want to listen to it. And so he did. And that's how I was introduced to Jessie Ware, her mom and the podcast. And it is so good. Her mom, I'm obsessed with. And sometimes Jessie will get kind of snippy at her mom. I want to be there when she does to be able to say, hey, your mom is a national treasure. You leave her alone. I know she's your mom and you get to speak to her whenever you want. However, her mom is amazing. I love her. I love her. I love her. And I want her mom to cook for me. She cooked for Auntie Borowski. And I, I just want to taste her cooking. What would you like her to cook for you? If she oh my gosh. Anything traditionally Jewish or Israeli. or that She made a couple of traditionally Israeli foods or mm-hmm. Jewish foods for Anthony. And they sounded gorgeous. So maybe some latkes or something would be great. Ooh. Maybe a babka for dessert. Maybe some kind of fish. Yeah, just uh, whatever she wants. I'm, I'm You're like, you eat whatever open. she gives you. Yeah, man. I'm so willing to eat whatever she gives me. I just like them so much together. I think as a pair, they're wonderful. And there may be many child parent podcasts out there. I have not heard them before. Mm-hmm. This is the first one I've heard. And I just think it's a really interesting dynamic. 
I think bringing in the food element too, because I always feel when you're doing something else, you know, when a conversation is happening, whether it's, you know, driving a car or making something, I always feel it, it sometimes it's a better conversation because you can kind of, you know, let some more yeah. stuff out. This is what I love about Lenny as well, because, you know, I get told if I'm presenting, like, don't ask this question, this question or this question. And I'm sure they probably got told the same when they had uh, Liam Payne was on. And I think it was around the time he was... With Cheryl or breaking up with Cheryl, I don't know. But basically, uh-huh. they must have been told, don't mention it. And sure, Lenny, the first thing she says is oh, like, <laughs> so I tell me it. about Cheryl. <laughs> I know. Was it awkward for Liam? No, because he answers it because it's Lenny. You're not going to say you no. Can't, yeah. Lenny could ask me anything. The most <laughs> private question, personal question, and I would probably answer. How old's your son now? Uh, he's two and a half. Two and a half? Yeah. It's fun. It gets Crazy. really fun. I'll show you him because we're not on camera and no one can see, so. Uh-huh. No, we've seen him before. We've Cheryl, seen Cheryl him. Did Cheryl did the podcast, podcast Oh, did she? Yeah, and she said how, she said how gorgeous he is. you are as a And you're a great dad. I'm all right. <laughs> do you, how often do you see him? Um, sometimes two times a week, sometimes once every two weeks. Like, it kind of varies with the way that the job is and what's going on in the, in the time. But I'm trying to schedule and keep it as constant as possible, which is just the hardest part of it. But it's, yeah, it's difficult. I mean, And your parents are very involved with him. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they love him to pieces. He's awesome. He's such a good child. Like, having a, a, a you know a child anyways like the scary as you know it's like the scariest thing ever but he's so well behaved like he listens so well please and thank yous mm. never are you strict uh, uh yes is cheryl strict uh she is i mean she surprises me sometimes and i'm like well, where did that come from <laughs> you're frightened of her uh, <laughs> well i've been on that let's say i've been on the receiving end of that quite a lot so uh. <laughs> um i i kind of i mean my husband made me feel like I was superwoman when I gave birth. Like, I think watching that happen, mm. I think for men as well. It oh, must it's just, just wild. Yeah. It's just wild. I mean, I could see two heads coming out of her body and I was like, I just don't understand what is going on here. <laughs> two heads? And it was like two heads. Well, she's got a head and then there's a head coming out of it. And I'm like, what's <laughs> happening on? Yeah, this is a bit weird, isn't it? Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra. And I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I think that's why having the mum on is so smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, when it's somebody our age, you may feel a lot more inclined to say, move on, next question. And I'm, mm-hmm. I, I'm very comfortable saying, don't ask that again, let's move on. Yeah. But with Lenny, yeah, I would, I would tell her my deepest, darkest secrets. I do hate when these celebrities go on a show and they have all these don't ask lists. Mm-hmm. The, the only thing that I say don't ask me about is religion. I just think it's so inappropriate to talk about the so way personal. religion. Yeah. That would be like, 
asking somebody about their masturbation practices, it's so inappropriate and personal. Well, that, that was take me to my next question. I better cross that <laughs> off this time. <laughs> it's you, Laura, I probably don't. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's one of those questions that you. I just think is, is so stupid to ask. Yeah. Um, but anything else, I just think you're going on their show, just let them ask what they want. Yeah. And you can just say, look, that's personal, move on, dummy. And that's how I handle it. When somebody asks something that's really personal, I'm like, ha, 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 as if I'm going to answer that, move on. I just answer. I've never, if I ever asked a question, I don't. Don't, um, like I just answer a different question. Like I think I just confuse the person. <laughs> I just start talking at, or ask them a question back. That's always good. See, uh, can I give you my trick? Yeah, uh, and I did this a long time ago in Australia. So it was the first year of Queer Eye coming out. We went on a press tour, and I was really, really tired. We'd mm. we'd flown from LA, long last flight, landed. Two hours later, we had started a 12-hour press junket. And for the audience who's listening, a press junket is where you sit in a hotel room every 20 minutes, a different reporter comes in and you'll have a break at some point, but every 20 minutes, they just rotate it and just the same silly questions over and over again. Mm -hmm. And so somebody asked me something in an interview that was so incredibly inappropriate about my relationship with one of my castmates, who is my brother. Mm -hmm. Anthony's my brother and will be for life. Mm -hmm. But this person was a moron and clearly didn't realize that two gay men can be the best of friends without having sex. And so this person asked me this question and I just thought, you know, I'm going to answer however I want to answer. So she asked me and I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize we were so close. I didn't realize we could talk about such personal things. Hey, you know when you and your husband have sex, does he make you climax quite quickly or does it take you a while? Or do you have to introduce a vibrator? And she was like, excuse me? And I was like, (laughs) wait, I thought that we were asking super, super personal questions. You asked me if I was sleeping with my castmate. Why can't I ask you when the last time you orgasmed was? And since then, people kind of don't ask me stupid shit because they know that I'm willing to just say, okay, let's talk about masturbation. I love it. That is the best way. And like the thing is, if they're going to ask that question, there's no reason why you can't ask that question. Absolutely. If you're going to ask me something that you know is so wildly inappropriate, just be willing to answer it yourself. Yeah, I'm going to rob that because that is a great little tip. It shocks them. Yeah. especially on live tv so if you can get away with it do it it's hilarious, <laughs> and hilarious. never be invited back on the show i know <laughs> i know, I know. <laughs> um the next one i'm gonna yeah, go to the next one actually anna faris is unqualified because this is this is what i love as well because you see a different side to people because we talk about actors and musicians who sometimes are very cautious and guarded going on podcasts and talking more also Actors and musicians and people who you know, sportsmen who you know for different things, yeah. having their own podcast. I don't know if you've heard Alec Baldwin's podcast, because I, I'm like, how can you be a good actor and also really good at asking questions yeah. as well? I didn't know he had a podcast. Oh, it's hilarious. It's so funny. But Anna's one, Anna Faris, because, you know, we'll know her as, well, like, first probably from Scream and Friends and loads of films and, and TV house shows. Funny. Hello, House Funny. House Funny <laughs> with Emma Stone. Oh, my God. Do you remember that film? Yeah, of course. I love it so much. But here is a difference. This is Anna being Anna and basically solving our problems. Yeah. And I think that with Anna, I don't know Anna personally at all, but from her podcast, you get the impression that she is your girlfriend. Like she's somebody Mm -hmm. you can just open up to. And from her body of work, you know, she's lighthearted. She's not going to ask you anything inappropriate. She's not there to talk about scandal. And she really wants to get to know her guests. I think she's a really interesting interviewer because she goes in without too many questions. This isn't a dig. She goes (laughs) in without too many questions prepared. She just wants to really explore that Mm -hmm. person with her audience. And I think that's the beauty of her podcast. She's so 
charismatic and likable that she can go in any direction and that interviewee is going to go along with her. And every now and then she'll do a section where they'll have the audience ask questions, obviously they call in beforehand and they will give advice like she's an agony aunt, but with her and her guest. And her advice is always much more poignant than you'd think. And again, this is not a personal attack against Anna, <laughs> but you wouldn't assume that from that the body of work. Yeah. yeah, you wouldn't think, oh, she's got these really profound answers because she's the house bunny girl. Yes. However, some of the advice has made me cry in the past. I, I've gotten really emotional listening, thinking that was beautiful. And I don't know where you plucked that out of, but that was lovely. Hey everyone, psychotherapist and New York Times bestselling author Lori Gottlieb is back to offer some expert advice. Among other things, Lori writes The Atlantic's weekly Dear Therapist advice column and is a co-host of the new podcast Dear Therapist. For more on Lori and our other experts, you can find links on our website at unqualified.com. Hi, Lori. Hi, Anna. How are you? I'm wonderful. Um, let's call Kate. Great. Hello. Hey, thank you so much for doing this last minute. That was so kind of you. Oh, no problem. I was just doing a puzzle. Oh my God. I love puzzles. I I don't know what's <laughs> happened to me. Kate, I'm here with Lori Gottlieb. She is a psychotherapist and she's the author of the New York Times bestseller, Maybe You Should Talk to Someone. She also is incredibly qualified. <laughs> so Kate, will you tell us what's going on? Yeah, sure. So one of my really good friends met a guy in July and started dating him and is really happy with him, but we are very concerned because he is an alcoholic and there's a lot of things going on. I also kind of feel like she's old school in podcasting world, even though it's been going five years, 2015. But, you know, even though podcasts have been going for 10 years or so, it's only really been the last few years, yeah. especially 2020 with lockdown and, and us craving stories. But she's old school because... In the last year, I mean, everyone has a podcast. It's just, it's just the way it is. I'm so sick of it. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's true. And I was like, actually, I, I remember when we first started doing Castaway, and yeah. we were like, "Will you run out of podcasts to talk about?" I'm like, "No, no, <laughs> we, we, no, we definitely you won't." There's won't. no way because you're right. 2020 got nuts. Everyone did one last year, but. There are a few that came out from last year that I, I, I think did a really good job, but they were offering something different, which I really appreciated. Yeah. That's what you have to do. You need your little niche there. And same with Anna's one you mentioned. She has a guest who's got lots of like, you know, very well-known people that yeah. have been on it. And then she'll do that listener thing as well. She invites yeah. her listeners, just anyone to join her. She'll ring them up and give them a call and gives good advice. I was a bit worried. I'm like, oh God, what are you going to tell this person? I know. There was one, I think it might have been Reese Witherspoon mm -hmm. who was on. And those two, uh, and she was giving advice in front of this celebrity guest. And I thought she was really interesting. I do wish that, I know that she's not going to do this because it would be really weird for her to do this. But. but I was hoping that somebody would ask her a couple of questions about her breakup with Chris Pratt. I'm like, please, I really want to know. I want to <laughs> know all of it. And I know I have no right to know all of it, but I really want to just know, okay, what do you think of his new wife? He got married really quickly. <laughs> <I know. laughs> well, if we got, do you know what we do? We get Lenny from Table Manners. Yes, he wears mom onto that. She'll cook her yeah. up something nice and then she'll get straight in there. You know, Laura, I'm not even going to lie. As soon as we're done, 
along with this, I, I'm driving to uh, somewhere else. It's going to be about yeah. 45 minutes. I'm going to listen to that Liam Payne episode because I'm dying to hear what his answer was about Cheryl. Uh, and I'm just going to say this. However, I am obsessed with Cheryl. I have oh, been obsessed her. with her for the longest time. And I, I hear she's not really doing a lot of TV and stuff ever yeah. since I left the UK. I She was the queen of TV when I was back in the UK. I, I was love obsessed. her. And so I am fascinated to hear about what she's up to now because I, I I will always love well, they've got their They've got their little baby, don't they? They've got I know. Bear. So cute. I know, gorgeous. And I did, I was lucky enough to say hello to her at an event a couple of years ago and I was really nervous. Actually, last year, I was really nervous at the start of the year. I, I went to this um, Attitude Awards mm-hmm. and I saw her on the step and repeat and I, I, I said to my husband, oh my God, I, I've got to go say hello. She's like my number one in the UK. And he was like, don't be weird. She's probably not going to know who you are. You're in America. I was like, I know, but I really, I just, even if she doesn't, I just want to say hello. And I went over to her publicist. I was like, listen, I know she's getting a photo taken, but could you ask her if I could say hello? I'm from the show in America. And I promise I'm not a crazy. And he let me go over and she was so nice. <laughs> she was just so nice and even more beautiful in real life. I got, I'm obsessed. <laughs> I went on this morning last Last year, I think, yeah. or the year before, sorry. And we had already done mega things in America at that point. And I was kind of calm about it. I, I was raised on American TV, but I didn't, I, I wasn't as obsessed with a lot of the stars as I was with British stars. And so I went and I, I met Philip Schofield and I geeked out so hard. And he found it really weird. He was like, we're about to post show pictures on the show of who you hung out with at the Emmys and you're getting really excited. It's just this morning. I was like, you are an icon to me. I watched you since I was a baby. Mm -hmm. You you and Gordon the Gopher blew my mind. (laughs) And so, yeah, when you see these people that you knew when you were a kid or Mm -hmm. that you knew of when you were a kid, they're often more exciting to you than a Meryl Streep, like truly. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm delighted for him as well. I feel like he's coming to his own. I know he's had like a tough year and he came oh, out at the beginning of the year so and I'm delighted much. for him. I didn't know. Quite honestly, he was gay yeah. and never suspected. And then I saw it pop up in my newsfeed and I watched that clip of him coming out on the show. And it, oh, God, it Did made you me cry? cry so I cried. Much, so much. And I, I, he doesn't know me well at all. I don't know him. I've only ever been on the show twice, but I just wanted to give him a hug to say, I can't believe you've had to hide this for so long. It really made me feel for him. How we've gone from Cheryl Cole and I know, so Philip sorry. Scott. No, I, so I love it. I love it. Well, so yeah, back to Anna. I was like, but where are we now? <laughs> back, yeah, back to Anna and back to Unqualified. And um, how are you at giving advice? Well, I mean, to be fair, I do it for a job. Yeah. Um, although we all have our categories that we stay within to a certain extent, our main goal is to give just general life advice and try and make people feel better about their situation and what potential they have. And so, as far as life advice, I'm constantly, constantly giving it. Whenever I'm stopped, it's always somebody who wants to ask me something and they're often very emotional. And so I feel like my whole life has become giving my opinion or advice on anyone's situation. Queer Eyes is such a huge success. And it's. I feel like you guys have been around like always. And, and yeah. when you look back, it's like it's been three years or something. I, like, yeah. I feel like it's been longer than that in a good way. Yeah. And it's always so emotional. When you go to, to film like a new episode, like, how do you prepare yourself? Because it is so emotional and it's it's, it's not hard. a makeover show. It's, it's yeah. bigger than that, you know? Yeah. And how do you cope with that emotionally? You know, the easiest part is the makeover. I just think, well, I'm going to dress somebody. Uh, I do it for a living. It's fine. Yeah. The hard part of the job is the emotional component. 
So we share a trailer because we're in people's gardens. And so we share a trailer and on the day we meet them, we kind of all G each other up to really get in the right mental state for what we're about to experience. And that continues on throughout the week. It is so mentally draining. And all of us have talked about this separately Mm -hmm. with each other. We all go back to our respective homes and the amount of times you find yourself just crying over your microwavable meal is insane because you've heard things that day that are just uh, really upsetting and you've tried to give the best advice you can. Nothing is scripted on our show. We never do a retake and we never, ever, ever have a script. Mm-hmm. Truly, and, that, and that's not just a lip service. We Truly nothing is ever reshot. So everything we say, everything they say is how we truly feel. And I think that that's what makes it so difficult is because you know that these are their raw feelings. Uh, It's such a hard show to film. Next in fashion that I do, dressing funny that I do, they're Mm -hmm. so much easier because next in fashion, I have a script. Dressing funny, it's comedians we're playing. When you actually have to talk to people about what they are really going through, and most of the people we help have really seen some-ish, it stays with you for a really long time. It's a really hard show to film. With the the latest series, what's been the hardest, but maybe not even just the hardest, but that, that you've kind of really connected to or that took a lot out of all the episodes? Um, well, there was one episode in particular and mm-hmm. this woman I was obsessed with, her name's Jennifer. Anyone who's watched the latest season, mm-hmm. which was the Philadelphia season, she was the woman with the husband who had ALS or has ALS and she was his primary caregiver and they were constantly worried that this might be their last day. And it it was soul destroying to to be with this woman knowing that her husband does have a terminal illness mm. and that one was the the hardest one i've done in a long time me and her became quite close during the episode i adore her and knowing all that she goes through every day just to put on a brave face for her three daughters was just it was it was a beautiful it was a beautiful one for me it must be very hard to kind of move on and not constantly check back how people are doing. Yeah. You know, uh, we get asked a lot when we interview, are you still mm. close with all the heroes? The answer is no. You can't, it's physically not possible, probably. It's, yeah, we do so many. Yeah. And just as any regular person in life would find, you don't connect with every person in, in life mm-hmm. that you meet. However, there are certain heroes that will stay with me for the rest of my life who touched me so greatly. Jennifer's one of them. Did you see an episode with a woman called Mama Tammy? She's Mama um, Tammy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love Mama Tammy. And then there were we did a, a mini season in Japan mm-hmm. and there were two women in particular who blew my mind. Uh, a woman called Yoko-san who created a hospice and another girl who was struggling with her identity. Just th- th- there are certain episodes that it's not a show. It's, it's not a mm-hmm. show. It's people that you truly love and care for within a week and you stay in contact and you know that you will make sure they're okay for the rest of your life. You've traveled to so many places with Queer Eye. Where would you like to bring the show? Oh, for Queer Eye? Yeah, for um, Queer Eye. I was like, what about Ireland? What about down the like, country well, Ireland side? Down funnily, to the farms? Enough, funnily enough, <laughs> I was petitioning so hard to try and do a UK season. Yes. I, I desperately want to do a UK season. And I'm hoping that's oh, on Go back job. to Donny. I know that's what I wanted. Because I honestly, quite honestly, I have a lot of unresolved issues and a lot of upset and hurt with England in general, quite mm. honestly. And to be very frank, I, I ran away from England when I was 17. And then I finally moved away when I was 23. Because uh, this is, I want to make this very clear because I yeah. get so much shit when I say things like this. Yeah. Most people, British people I meet are wonderful 
I have so many friends in the UK still, and I love them so much. And they're non-Asian. However, it was such a scary place to live for mm-hmm. all those years of my life where mm-hmm. but so often I got called a racist name on the street so often. And so moving away from that kind of racism every day has changed my life completely. And so I have a lot of unresolved issues. I really want to do a show to remind myself of how wonderful England actually is and how wonderful the people of the UK Mm -hmm. are. And that that was just a small minority of idiots who made life hell for people of colour. It's sad though, because sometimes all it takes is a few idiots that kind of darken the whole thing. And there are good people, even even just during this lockdown. And I moved from a small town in Ireland where you'd say hello to everybody. You'd say hello when you get in the bus or you say thank you. And then you come to London, you don't know one speaks to you. You don't make eye contact for the love of God. Walking down Oxford Street making eye contact is the worst thing you can do. And I think I said thank you to the bus driver once and I think he thought I was going to mug him. I live in North London now. And then something happened in lockdown where like, I did, I'd lived here for two years and I didn't know who my neighbours were. And yeah. then like, I had a neighbour like leave baked goods on my doorstep. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. oh, there's, there's good people here. Weirdly, there's a lot of positive that has come out of COVID and the pandemic. And I think that's the, the greatest one I see is the <laughs> compassion of people uh, around me. And, and, and I've been really grateful for that. And I know that that's the case in England too. And so, yeah, so I'm hoping England will be the next place we come to in the future. Nobody has said yes, but I'm, I'm still fighting for it because I think it would be really interesting, mostly because I have an agenda that I want people to watch a version of the Brits where they see that we're not homophobic, that we're not racist, that we can find commonality, that we can show our goal was in America was to show that gay people are just like everybody else or queer people are just like everybody Mm -hmm. else. Brown people, black people are just like everybody else. That's what we represent as the five of us. Do you feel like from traveling, from, you know, moving to America from a young age, it, it has helped you see a wider world and wider range of people. Yeah. Having the luxury of being able to travel and to meet people from different walks of life and understanding their stories. And as we mentioned earlier, I'm somebody who really likes to talk to people and <laughs> listen to what they have to say. And I, mm. I love to learn what people's lives were. I think that's really helped me empathize with other people, even if sometimes I don't understand. I mean, I mentioned it in season, I think it was season one of Queer Eye, maybe it was season two, where we had our first trans hero on. I said, look, I, I've never met a trans person before. I've never had had a friend who's a trans person before mm-hmm. and I've got questions I hope you'll allow me to ask them because I want to understand it's not like I, I feel any resentment or an- animosity I just didn't ever ask the question that I want to ask now and so I think that's the beauty of what exposure to other people or the cultures does for us is it makes us a more compassionate people oh I couldn't agree more and also so many people are afraid to ask the question and I quite mm. honestly when I wanted to ask the questions I wanted to ask so many people on the set of Queer I was saying you you don't want to do that you're going to come across really ignorant and the queer community is going to probably hate you for it and don't get me wrong a lot of people hated me for the questions I asked on the show mm. but I said look I'm, I don't care I I want to I want to educate myself and anyone who's watching who has the same questions as me I want to ask them so I don't just pretend I know everything I know how they're feeling well, thank you for asking the questions. And that brings us on to your last podcast. Because speaking of questions and being an expert, we've got an armchair expert. And this <laughs> is a little bit different. This is a Dax Shepard. Now, I have to be honest with you. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I'd never listened to Dax's. And then I saw this on the list. 
And then I look through it and I'm like, it's so big. I'm like, he, had, he actually has they, one of the most successful podcasts in America. Ever, yeah. yeah, it's um, the most downloaded podcast in 2018 on iTunes. And then in the GQ list of the highest earning podcasters, yeah. Joe Rogan was number one, which is huge. And we've talked about before on this. Yeah. And he like, he's number four. I just know him as actor and also the guy from Punked. Yeah, yeah. Yes, his his podcast is massive. If you go on his show, it's an honor to be asked. And he gets to interview some of the most interesting people on the planet. And I, I, I find him really interesting. So I don't know if you saw in the press recently, he relapsed. He's He's been sober for a long time. He relapsed mm-hmm. during uh, quarantine, but he still continues to do his show. And he's very honest and open about his experiences. And I think that's what makes his podcast so interesting. Some of his episodes are like an hour and a half, two hours long. Mm-hmm. But I love that. As we as we said earlier, there's a beauty in podcasts that people really are allowed to say what they want to say and they speak so freely and openly like they don't anywhere else. And so he gives a three-hour episode on there as well. He's like, you say whatever you want. I'll give you questions, but you take this wherever you want to take it. And I love that that's what he does. And I think that's why his podcast is so exceptional. It's not just a, we've only got one hour. We've got to get it all in. These mm-hmm. are things I need to talk about. It's tell me what's going on in your life. Go on, whatever. It's therapy, isn't it? It's called therapy. That's pretty much what it is. He just sits there across from whoever is the guest that sat on armchairs. He doesn't do it remotely. Uh, It feels like you're just having a therapy session. I also got in a motorcycle accident going to work Mm. on Parenthood. Mm. And I immediately called my sponsor and I said, I'm in a ton of pain and I got to work all day. And we have friends that have Vicodin. Painkillers, Mm -hmm. yeah. And he said, okay, you can take a couple of Vicodin to get through the day of work, but you have to go to the doctor and you have to get a prescription. And then you have to have Kristen dole out the prescription. And I said, okay, so I, I did all that. Yeah. So I had a prescription for Vicodin that Kristen was administering. No problem yet. I then fly back to see my dad. Mm-hmm. And I don't take the prescription because Kristen's supposed to hand them out. So right. it's decided like I'm fine enough to just go without them. So when I go back, my father at this point is, um, he can't walk. He just is in this hospital room all day long. And he says that he really wants to go sit in his house and look at the lake one more time. So my beautiful friend, Ken Kennedy, um, Mm. builds a fucking handicap ramp in front of his house. And uh, I get him in a wheelchair. My father is not a small man at this point either. (laughs) Even with cancer, probably weighed 280. So I get him in this wheelchair. I take him to Ryan's, his favorite restaurant. I get him a gold brick sundae, his favorite thing in the world. And he doesn't take any bites of it. And that was the point where I was like, okay, that's probably the last stage for him. Yeah. So we didn't eat any of this. I got him ribs and this this um, gold brick sundae, and he didn't take any bites. And then I took him to the house, and um, they had given me his Percocet. Yeah. Because he needs to take them every whatever hours. So I give him a bunch of Percocet, and then I go, I have a prescription for this, and I was in a motorcycle accident, and I'm going to take some too. Yeah. And so I took Percocet and my dad and I sat in his living room and stared at the lake. And it was, um, you know, we had so little in common and so much friction, but the number one thing we had in common is we were both fucking addicts Yeah, and we had never used anything together. And we sat there stoned and looked at the lake. And in that moment, I felt elation and I was just happy. And, uh, then I dropped him off at the hospital I went back 
to Kenny's house and spent the night. And I started panicking a bit that mm-hmm. I had done that. And I was wondering if that's a relapse mm-hmm. and, oh, no, eight years is gone. He doesn't profess to be an expert, even though it's called mm-hmm. armchair expert. He makes it clear that he doesn't know a lot of this stuff, but he wants to at least talk about it and say that, I don't know this stuff. Let's talk about our feelings on it. And I think that's what makes it interesting. He's also very bloody funny, mm-hmm. like incredibly charming and disarming. And I think that's why his show does so well so laura if you only started getting into him because of my list because of you thank you you're welcome please give a couple more episodes a listen and i i'm almost positive he'll become one of your most frequent podcasts that you listen to I love it. I should mention as well, so Dax Shepard, uh, it's called Armchair Expert. He does it with Monica Padman. Because when yes. I first started listening, I actually wasn't aware of Monica. And, and it, can't, it works together. And I, I have to say, I scroll down through you know, famous names of who would I listen to first. And then it's like Hillary Clinton. It's just casually there. Yeah. Oh, wait, I need to mention Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton has a podcast. And I love it. And I got to guess I thought you were going to. I thought you were going to give me a Hillary Clinton like likes your post or is your friend on Facebook or something. Story. I mean, I, well. Oh, stop no. it. But we Stop. get along very well. <laughs> and oh, Dan, you're kidding me. Love Hillary. Um, love, love, love. She asked me to be on a podcast and I was so honored. I actually screamed, fully screamed when I got the email from my mm-hmm. agent. I was like, I can't believe it. And I was like, find out if she actually knows what I do or if somebody else booked me like a producer. And they're yeah. like, no, no, no. She asked me for you specifically. So I went on a podcast. And then when she was touring around the, all the late night shows, talk shows, to tell them about her new podcast that was coming out, it was me that she told everyone about. She was like, oh, we, we managed to get Tan France and I love him. And every episode that she did for this tour, she talked about why she wanted me on the show and it blew my mind. Blew what my is, mind. Why is it like doing a podcast with Hillary Clinton? Because again, you see a different side to someone because we all have, you know, our, our idea of, you know, Hillary, yeah. I think she's incredible, extremely strong woman and uh, I admire her so much. But what is it like, like sitting down and doing a podcast with her? So I had one condition, but the funny thing is she had the same condition. I was like, I, I, if I say yes, I am asking for one thing and that's that we Zoom because I need to see, see her. her I face. just want at some point in my life to know that I've had a sit down conversation with Hillary Clinton because I've been obsessed with her since I was a kid. And so the funny thing is she came back and said, that was my condition if you were doing it, that I needed to talk to you because I really wanted some other advice. I was like, great, off air. I was like, wonderful. I would love that. Apparently she's a big Queer Eye fan mm. and she likes my scenes a lot. I was like, wonderful. I would love to give you my opinions on things. And we got on the call and I was, I start to get really nervous. I don't get nervous anymore in most situations. I do this quite regularly now where I get interviewed. And so it's not a concern unless mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with the person and she's that person. There's like three or four people that so Hillary, really Cheryl nervous. and Philip Schofield. Yeah. Hillary, Cheryl, <laughs> Philip Schofield, Adele, Beyonce, <gasps> and then obviously Oprah still. So they're my list. So I, uh, I got on the call and she made me feel comfortable almost immediately. She was just a a normal, lovely person that's just smarter than pretty much every one of us. But yeah, she was, she was just, she was amazing. And also we'll add that podcast in there on our list of recommendations too. We mentioned there are so many podcasts out at the moment, but there are so many good ones. If you do one, you want to make sure that it's something that's different, something that you can make your mark on. If you were bringing out a new podcast in 2021, what would it be? Ooh, Oh, ooh. actually, I, I think I'm allowed to say it. I am actually recording one. But it's, not mine. It's, it's not mine. It's not mine. Okay. I am just the voice of it. Oh. And it's just 
queer stories from history that <gasps> we don't know enough about. And, and the reason why I said yes to it and why I desperately wanted to do it is because I want kids who are coming out to understand that it's not something new when parents say, grandparents say, well, it's a phase. Like, all these kids think it's cool to be gay these days. Actually, no, we've been around. We've, we were always here. We were just silenced and our stories were taken away. They were stolen from us because we were seen as shameful. And so this highlights many of the incredible queer figures that we have where their stories aren't told enough. And so that's why I'm, I'm really proud to be doing that podcast. Can you say, do you know when it's going to be out? Because I do need this some more year, podcasts. I, yes. This year, but I okay. don't know when. Okay. I think it's actually coming Have up. Have you recorded out. it? Yeah. So I think it's quite soon. <gasps> what a lovely yeah. note to end on. Thank you yeah. for sharing that. I was you're very expect- welcome. Yes. I was like, I wonder what you're going to say. And and I think a lot of people probably expect you to do a fashion one now. Yeah. This, and it's also something that needs and another story, stories that need yeah. to be told. You know, I get asked to do a fashion podcast by a different podcast company probably every week and I've said no to everyone nobody needs uh, any more fashion podcasts I'm I'm, I'm okay with that I want to tell stories that actually matter Uh Tan I've loved this thank you so much for giving up so much time you are so welcome I was so happy when I saw the email that you wanted to do this Um, you are a breath of fresh air thank you and that's it Another episode down as we delve deep into my guest's audio world. I hope you get cast away by today's top podcast picks. Yeah, I just said that, sorry. All of the podcasts we've mentioned today are included in the episode show notes. Now, if you love this conversation as much as I did, please share your thoughts by leaving a review. And if you'd like to receive weekly installments of Cast Away delivered straight to your phone, hit the subscribe button. Until next time, that's it from me. Take care. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.